The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Well, um, I'm really glad to be with you. We're about to tonight uh, leave on our trip for the high school students. We're going to Destin, uh, Florida with them. And someone said, are you going to Florida? Are you going on vacation? I said, it will be for the high schoolers. But my job is to make sure that they don't, you know, die. So, uh, so we're going to leave tonight. And, and I've just been real busy trying to get ready for that. And, and, you know, people always say, like, they're going out of town. And, man, I just I need some time to pack. And I need all this stuff or whatever. And, um, and, and that's absolutely true. And, and I, I just really had a, a really busy week, and my wife is working, and she's really busy. She's in Nashville right now. She's helping put on the, the Kayla Fan Awards, and so she's up there right now working. And, and it's just been kind of crazy dealing with all the kids and everything. And, but you know what? If you go like two weeks back, like go before, uh, before the Kayla Fan Awards, before Angel went out of town, all of that, like... I still just kind of stay busy. And isn't that true? We all, we all stay busy. And, and that's probably why we multitask so much. Any multitaskers in here, right? Multitaskers, ladies, every hand should be up, all right? Like, that's your, it's your gift. It's what you do, all right? Like, like my wife is incredible at multitasking. Like, like, she can be on the phone talking, and she'll, like, check an email, consoling a child, and cook dinner, and she still has time to, to, to find all the things I did wrong that day. Like, all at once, she'll do that. And it's incredible. And I'm not so much of a multitasker. Probably the, the, the best example of, of me being able to multitask is sometimes I can talk on the phone and go to the bathroom, right? Like those things can sometimes happen. By the way, if you've called me this past week, all right. Anyway, so like I'm, not, I'm just not good at it. I'm not a good multitasker. And, and but we're a, we are a busy, busy culture. There's a, uh, an author, um, Bridget Schultz, and she wrote Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. And she says that our culture is in an epidemic of busyness. And she calls it, we're in a state of overwhelm. That's what she calls it. And here's, here's how she sums up that state. Here's what it is. Always behind and always late with one more thing and one more thing and one more thing to do before rushing out the door. Anybody? Anybody? That's you right there. She goes on to say that to be in the deep in the overwhelm requires not just doing too many things in one 24-hour period, but doing so many different kinds of things that they all blend into each other and a day has no sense of distinct phases. Researchers call it contaminated time. And apparently women are more susceptible to it than men because they have a harder time shutting down the tape that runs in their heads about what needs to get done that day. Can I get a witness? Anybody? Come on. Is that anybody in here? Overwhelm. Overwhelm, right? The state of overwhelm. And, and Dr. Ann Burnett is a, is a, a professor at uh, North Dakota State University. That is a place. And uh, she was interviewed in the book, and she collects Christmas cards. And as she, t- t- she's a sociologist, so she's weird. But anyway, she collects Christmas cards. And, and as, as she's collected Christmas cards, she's noticed that the Christmas letters, anybody in here write a Christmas letter? Anybody? No? Okay, excellent. All right. So we, Hanukkah? What's going on? Anyway, so she, she, she noticed in the Christmas letters the language was getting busier and busier. And this was one she actually got. It said, I'm not sure whether writing a Christmas letter when I'm working at the speed of light is a good idea, but given the amount of time I have to devote to any single project, it's the only choice I have. We start every day at 4.45 a.m., launch ourselves to the day at breakneck speed. The experience is much like sticking your head in a blender, only to land in a crumpled heap at 8.30 p.m., looking something like that. Halloween witches impaled, spread-eagled on front doors, wondering how we made it through the day, right? Now, I know that some of you, you're laughing, but think about your day. Isn't that your day, right? Like, we're busy 
people. And, and, and because of that, because we're busy and because we all know what that is. Like, I didn't, I didn't explain busyness to you and some of you are like, that's what busyness is. Huh, never, nope, never been there, right? We all had that experience. Because of that, we all know uh, the, how precious something else is. Tommy, could we, just, could we just bring the lights down real quick? Just, just bring them down. Could everybody, everybody just, just get comfortable in those seats right there. Just get real comfortable. These lights are, they're just so bright. Can we just bring just the stage lights? I just don't need those. You just get comfortable. If you want to, go ahead and shut your eyes real quick. Just, no, just, just, just pray or something. And, oh yeah, that's it. It's not as uncomfortable as it looks, but, you know, the, the thing that I want to talk about today is, is just, it's rest. And can, can we, just for a second, just, can you just indulge me? Can we just, just, come on, just, yes, praise him and all, but come on, let's just, and that was good. That was really good. I really like that. And, and, you know, as we talk about rest and we talk about where rest comes from and all of that, we've got to talk about work. Come on, lights up, back to work. All right, back up, back up. Here we go. Everybody wake up, wake up. We're going to talk about work first. Now, hang on. I know some of you right now, can we just, can we just agree after this, we normally do Sunday school, could we just do that for the whole Sunday school hour? Anybody for adult nap time? Anybody? Anybody for it? Adult nap time? Hey, Sunday school teachers, did you see anybody raise their hand? Right? Give them a demerit. Anyway, so, yeah, like rest is so, so good. And in a, in a world of busyness, like, man, we absolutely need it. And that's what I want to talk about today is rest. And so where did, where did work come from? Where did work come from? Well, it came from God. Um, it's, it's not a curse at all. There was work in the garden before there was sin. In Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. There was work in the garden. And the fall, uh, the curse that came from our sin was not that we, would, that, that we have to work, but it's that our work would be frustrated. Genesis 3.17, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. So, so it's not that work is a curse. It's just our work's going to be frustrated frustrated now and and so there was work before the fall and there will be work in the new earth revelation 22 3 says no longer will there be any curse excellent no frustration in our work the throne of god and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will what serve him it doesn't say they'll sit on their their butts all day it says they will serve him there will be work in the new earth and in the meantime we're called to work john 9 4 we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day night is coming when no one can work and then second thessalonians 3 10 says for even when we were with you we'd give you this command if anyone's not willing to work let him not eat now, I, I love the scripture. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom here, but I, I don't think the scripture, let me just say real quick, it's not talking about people who've fallen on hard times. Like, you can't find a job. You want to work, but there is no work to do. That's not what it's talking about. In fact, when Second Thessalonians was written, uh, somebody had forged a letter from Paul to that church saying that, uh, uh, talking about the, the, the second coming of Jesus. And so a lot of people were confused about what that meant. And so some people thought, no, he's coming back like today. Right, And so I know we live with the expectation that Jesus is returning, and he absolutely is. And he could come at any moment, and now would be really good. Like right now, I didn't write the rest of the sermon, so right now, no. But, but now would be great. But, 
But they were like, no, he's really coming. Like, there's like a date set. So why do I need to work, right? So if he's coming back, like, why do all this work? He's just going to d- take it anyway. So what's the big deal? And so people were not working, and they were, they were mooching off of, and they were uh, taking advantage of the other believers there. So that's what it's talking about there. But I think this is a good a place as any just to stop real quick. As we talk about rest, can I side note it real quick? Slothfulness, rest without work, is despised by the Lord, all right? I don't want to go to the extreme and say that, that rest in and of itself is, is a wonderful thing because it's not. Rest with work glorifies the Lord. Work without rest uh, does not glorify the Lord, all right? And so we see slothfulness, it's called sin in the scriptures. It leads you to want and nothingness. The scriptures say it's a characteristic of foolishness. It, and in a parable of the talents, Jesus said the slothful servant, those who don't work but only rest, are cast into outer darkness. The Lord despises laziness. He despises slothfulness. It's not wise, and it doesn't honor the Lord. All right. So I just want to say that real quick. I want to make that clear, that rest without work doesn't honor the Lord, just as work without rest doesn't honor the Lord. Are we cool with that? Are we all on the same page? It doesn't matter. We're, we're going to continue. All right, so and not only are we called to work, but we're called to work kind of a lot. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the, in the Lord you la- your labor is not in vain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding in work. All right? So as we follow Jesus, it's not a time to, to kick our, our heels up. We're actually supposed to abound in work. And we're called not only to abound in work, but we're called to work really hard. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We're called to, to work a lot. And we're also called to work really, really hard. What would be an incredible testimony of the Lord Jesus is that wherever you go, whatever business you go to, that, that you could say, who is the hardest worker here? And when they point him out to you, then you could ask them this, are you a follower of Jesus? And they would say yes. That would be a wonderful testimony of the Lord Jesus, wouldn't it, to our world? That, that not only do we work a lot, but we work the hardest because we don't work for other people. I work to please the Lord. And also, we're called in our work... Now, here's kind of the rub here in Galatians 6, 9. We're called in our work to not grow weary. Work a lot, work hard, but don't grow weary. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. But we, we, like, we grow weary, don't we? Like, like anybody, don't we grow weary? I mean, physically we grow weary. I got an email from a friend of mine recently, and he said, I'm tired. He said, I, for a couple of years, I've been blaming it on iron, poor blood, lack of vitamins, dieting, a dozen other maladies that make you wonder if life's really worth living. But now I found out it's not that. I'm tired because I'm overworked. And here's what he said. The population of this country is 237 million. 104 million are retired. That leaves 133 million to do the work. There are 85 million in school, which leaves 48 million to do the work. Of this, there are 29 million employee, uh, employees of the federal government, which of course means this leaves 19 million to do the work. 4 million are in the armed forces, which leaves 15 million to do the work. Take from the total the, the 14.8 million people who work for the state and city government, that leaves 200,000 to do the work. And there are 188,000 in hospitals, so that leaves 12,000 to do the work. And now there are 11,998 in prisons. That leaves just two people to do the work, you and me. And you spend all your time reading this stupid email. No wonder I'm tired, right? 
Like, we get tired, right? We get physically tired. And you know what? Spiritually, we get weary, too. Recently, I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, a, a, a brother in Christ, and, and I was like, how can I pray for you? And he was just real honest, and he was just telling me about he'd been battling this temptation in his life. Anybody, anybody relate to that, right? Like, he's trying to do what he knows God wants him to do, but it was just, a, it was a fight. It was a fight every day. And he said, you know what? I'm just, I'm just tired. Like, I'm just, I'm just weary of this fight. We do get weary physically, spiritually, and, and emotionally. When we were, last year, we were in and out of the hospital with Piper Grace over and over and over again, not knowing what was wrong with my daughter, right? One doctor would say this, you're fine, go home. Guess what? We're right back, you know? And finally, our last doctor, he said, I- I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is, but we're going to discharge you. And I said, okay, well, look, you either figure it out or give me a parking spot, all right? Like, either way, because this is going to keep happening. But, you know, when, if, if you're a parent, you, you understand that, going from from that terror of something's wrong to everything's cool, something's wrong. I was just, I was worn out. I was, I was to the point where I was just, I was just numb. I was just numb. Anybody? Anybody been there before? You're so emotionally worn out, you're just, you're just numb. Maybe you've, maybe you've been dealing with somebody else's problems. Maybe you've been helping someone else bear their burdens, and you're just, you're just drained, right? We get weary. So, so if we get weary in our work, and the Lord doesn't want us to get weary, then, then what do we do? What's the solution? We need to rest. We need to rest. And God's Son took time to rest. In Mark 6, 31, Jesus said, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. When Jesus was talking to the disciples at this point, John the Baptist had just been beheaded by Herod. And so they had just gone and either gotten his body or his head. I don't, I'm sure Herod probably kept the head as a trophy. But he, they went and they got his body. And they went and they buried it. And so physically, they're, they're tired. They've done all this work. It says everybody's coming after them. So, so they've just buried someone who meant everything to them. Some of those disciples of Jesus left John the Baptist to follow Jesus. So, so all they knew before Jesus was John the Baptist, they just took his body, his headless body, and buried it. And they've been serving the Lord Jesus at the same time. They're emotionally drained. They're physically drained and all of that. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, go get lost in your work. Go do more work so you don't think about all these feelings. You don't have to deal with how drained you are. No, no. Jesus says, go away. Go away by yourselves. Go to a desolate place and just, just rest. We need rest. And so, if we know where work comes from, we know that it comes from God, where does rest come from? Well, good news, it also comes from God. The first thing I want you to see about rest is that God built rest into the rhythm of creation. It's in the rhythm of creation. If you go to Genesis 1 and look at the creation account in Genesis 1, after each day, what does it say? It says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. It goes on, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. It goes on, there was evening and there was morning the third day, right? Et cetera, et cetera, right? And there's a, there's a rhythm to that, right? There, there's, a, there's a period in, in all of creation that, that it rests. The sun goes down. Things go to sleep, right? There's, there's a rest there. There's a, there's a rhythm there. But, you know, like in our modern society, we... We forget about that, that rhythm, that natural rhythm to creation. Why? Electricity. 
I don't ever have to go to sleep, right? Like when I go home, if the, if the, if the, the light, you know, the sun sets outside, it's cool. I've got lamps, right? Like it's no big deal. I can watch TV all night and all these things. But, but listen, the, the, Lord, the Lord's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you got all these wonderful things. But, but there's a rhythm to creation. Don't forget that. I built that into creation that everything needs rest. And your body needs it. It's part of that rhythm in creation. And I, I want to be clear. Sleep is not a result of the fall. Do you get that? Sleep is not, is not a, a punishment. It's not a result of the consequences. In, in fact, we can talk about this later, but in fact, I, I believe there will be rest in heaven. As we work in the new earth, I think we will rest in the new earth. I think it will honor the Lord because it's a gift of God. I'm skipping ahead. But anyway, like, like we, uh, uh, our sleep is not a result of the fall. It existed as it followed the pattern of night and day. It existed in, in the garden before the fall. And, and God also used sleep on Adam to create Eve, correct? So it's not, it's not a punishment at all. It's a part of the rhythm of creation. And your body needs to follow that rhythm. I, I listen to, anybody listen to podcasts? Anybody in here a podcast listener? If you are not, you need to listen to podcasts. But there's a podcast put out by NPR called Radio Lab, and it's a science podcast, and I absolutely love it. Somebody loves it. All right. Anyway, I love Radio Lab. And there was an episode I listened to called Sleep. And, and I learned some things about what sleep does, uh, what, what our body does during sleep. When we follow that rhythm, there's a purpose in our sleep. Anybody in here a musician? Anybody play an instrument? Play an instrument. Anybody, like, if you're a musician, you, have you ever tried, like, really hard, like, practice really hard to, to get this piece down or whatever, and, and, and it doesn't ever, like, flow. It's not flowing exactly smoothly um, before, uh, uh, during your practice, and so you say, you know what, I'm going to bed. Then you wake up the next day, and you go to play it, and it flows. Anybody like that? That's not magic. In fact, what these researchers figured out is that every interaction you have with somebody throughout the day, or anything, anything you interact with, there's, it's creating a new pathway in your brain. It's shaping your brain. And the, the more you work on something, the, the deeper that, that shape goes, right? The more concentrated you are on that thing, like working on that instrument, the stronger those connections are. And when you sleep, there's an electromagnetic wave that goes over your brain back and forth about a thousand times while you sleep. And it's cleaning up your brain. And what it does is it weakens those connections. And so the things that, that, that can come and go, like, like, did you see a green light or red light today, those are really weak connections. Those wash away. But the things you worked really hard on, they become weaker. But all the other things are background noise. All those other things in your life that you didn't work as much on, those go away. And so it's easier to hear. It's easier to pay attention to that new pathway you created. And so it helps you learn. Sleeping helps you learn. Isn't that incredible? It, it, it works on your brain and it helps you Learn. Also, when you get tired, your, your cells in your body are constantly producing proteins and folding proteins. And as you get tired and you run out of energy, um, they, they start to almost mutate. And those, those proteins aren't folded properly. And, and so you, you get tired. And when you go to sleep, you know what your body does? Your body cleans those out and strengthens your cells. So when you sleep, when you follow the rhythm of creation, you, you, it helps you learn. It helps you develop. And it, it helps your health. There's a, there's a rhythm there. And that's incredibly important. And think about that rhythm. Think about it for a second. How much of your life do you sleep? One third. One third of your life, you're asleep for one third of your life. You're like a baby for one third of your life. Anybody ever had a baby? You understand, they need to sleep. When they don't sleep, they go from cute little chubby angel to gargoyle, right? Like it just happens. But think about it, like 
You're the same way. You need sleep one third of your life. If you try to not sleep, you will be able to for a while. You'll become a horrible person as well. But then what will happen? Your body will shut down. It'll say, no, you're sleeping, right? Isn't that incredible? You need it one third of your life. What could God possibly be trying to tell us by making us sleep one third of our lives? And I think this is it. He's trying to tell you, you aren't God. Sleep is a constant daily reminder that you are not God. Psalm 127.2 says, It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Your anxious work, according to the scripture, and and anxious work is is your work that you think relies on you. The pressure's on your shoulders, right? It's up to you to get it done. Your anxious work, what does it say? It's in vain. It's in vain. It doesn't matter as much as you think it does. And so when we must sleep, it's a reminder that our work is not decisive in running the world. God's work is decisive in running the world. Do you get that? That's what sleep is telling us. Every day it's a pointer telling us, you're not God. Your great work is not great. His great work is great. Listen to this, Psalm 121.4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. John 5.17, Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I'm working. Hebrews 1.3, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains by the mighty power of his command. If taking care of the world were up to us, if, it was, if our work was that decisive in, in running the world, if it was that important, if it was of primary importance, guess what? For one-third of your life, the world is not looked after. Do you get that? If our work is that important, if it's up to us, if it's truly up to us to watch the world, keep it going, and, and our work is that important, for one-third of your life, your work is not done. So our, our sleep is a daily reminder that we aren't God. Our work is not decisively important. It's not of paramount importance when it comes to running this world. It's God. It's God's work. And, and I need that reminder because I believe the hype in my own work all the time, right? Anybody with me? I gotta get this done. You know, you have that thought or, or I've got to do this. No one else can do this. I've got to do this. Anyone else a, an absolute terrible delegator, right? Because you're like, hey, you can do, no, you know what? I'll just do it, right? And you're like, no, I'll, I'll help you. Okay, well, if you do it like this and do, you know what? Forget it. I'll just do it, right? Like, I've got to get it done. And, and when we get like that, what happens? Anxiety creeps in and our work becomes what? Anxious toil. And when do we most often get like this? We most often get like this when when I'm so busy that all I can see, I got my blinders on, all I can see is my to-do list. All I can see is what I have to get done, what I have to get accomplished. And, And you know what I don't see? I don't see him. And so I don't rest in him, and I don't trust him, and I don't think that his work is paramount. I think my work is paramount, and I get anxious. And so I think the message God is sending us in our daily need for sleep and rest is this. Don't get a big head about your work. Don't, don't think that you can run the world or, or what you want is of, of primary importance. You're, you're a baby for one-third of your life. You have to sleep like a baby for one-third of your life. I'm God. I've got this. I think that's what God's telling us. Every night we have to sleep. So God gave us rest. He wove into the rhythm of all creation. But the second thing I want you to know about rest is God established a Sabbath principle. 
Now, although we don't follow the observance of the Sabbath written in the law, it still remains a gift with wisdom in it. Um, C.S. Lewis's wife, Joy Davidman, she wrote a book called Smoke on the Mountain, an interpretation of the Ten Commandments. And she, she thought about when, when they heard, when the, the, the people of Israel heard this command to not work, this, this Sabbath command. She, she, she put it in, in terms of, of trying to understand that from their perspective. Think about it. This is a culture, and, and what are they? They are an agriculture, agricultural uh, culture who exist what? They exist on working every single day. They live and they die by their work they have to do, right? So, so what God's telling this ancient agricultural people is that whose lives depend on working the land, not, not only do you not have the option of working, like if you want to work, no, 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 forget that. You will not work today, right? Your lives depend on working the land. Your lives depend on, on, on constantly making sure that everything's taken care of. But listen, you will not work this day. And I think there's wisdom in it for a couple of reasons. One, physically it was good for them. Work six, rest one. Physically it was good for them. Think about our world where it's so easy to to keep working. We have smartphones. You can work from anywhere. You can work at home when you probably shouldn't be working, right? And you can just constantly, constantly work. And and physically it's not good for us. There's stress-related illnesses, heart disease, asthma, obesity, diabetes, headaches, depression, anxiety, gastrointestinal problems, Alzheimer's, accelerated aging, premature death. All of these things are linked to stress, right? Of working, so so God uh, establishes the Sabbath principle f- for the physical goodness of his of his kids of his people. Right? He says, "I know that I put this rhythm into all of creation, and so I want you to not work. You will not work today because it will not be good for you." But the second thing it was wise was spiritually it was good for them. So God consecrate, consecrates this day unto Himself as a sign of His own creative power, of His own glory here. And so they, they have to worship and they, and they worship in their rest. And, and what does God accomplish? Well, well, God grew their faith and their trust. As they, as they got to rest and step away from their work and they took the blinders off, they, they looked at God and they, and they worshiped. And so their trust in Him grew and their faith grew and He eroded their anxiety. They're reminded of, of God's care for them as they took time to rest and worship and and he humbled them he reminded them that what their work isn't most important what he does is most important so but the sabbath principle still holds a lot of wisdom for us spiritually and physically even today so he wove into the rhythm of all creation he established a sabbath principle and lastly i want you to learn this about rest god gifts rest to us psalm 127 2 go back to that verse it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So according to this text, sleep is a gift that God gives us. And we often spurn it, what? By anxious toil. By, by, by us putting all this pressure on ourselves to accomplish tasks. And I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And, and all of a sudden, there's just all this anxiety, and God's waiting to give us this gift of rest. And so, so peaceful sleep is what? It's the opposite of anxious toil. It's the opposite of anxious work. And so, and God doesn't want his children to be anxious, Philippians 4, 6. So God made sleep as a continual reminder to, that we shouldn't be anxious, but we need to trust and we need to rest in him. We need to rest. And how do we do that? Like, like how, do we, how do we trust and rest in him? Well, resting in him, accepting that gift of rest, it requires that you remember, that you remember his rest. In the creation account, we see on the seventh day that God did what? 
Re ah, rested. Well done. All right, you're still there. Uh, he rested, exactly. Now, did he rest like, like we rest? Like, was he tired? Did his back hurt? Or, like, you know, like, were his, were his feet hurting? Or, right? like, did the mountains really take it out of him? Like, like did, what was going on there? It's not rest in the, in the sense that we need rest, but his work was complete. His, his creative work was complete, and so he rested from that work. And what does that mean? That means he reigns. My work's complete. The earth is good. Everything I've created is good. And now I'll reign over it. And we remember that he reigns over everything. I can rest, right? I can trust. I don't have to be anxious. I can rest in him because he's resting, because he's reigning, right? And so I, I think that's, that's the key to it is you remember he reigns and you can rest. I can, I can rest because I know that, that, that the one who loves me and gave himself for me is on the throne even now. I can rest. So it's obvious that we need rest. I, I don't think anyone's going to stand up and say, you know what, I heard everything you have to say. Um, it was rather stupid, and you don't need to rest. I haven't slept for years, right? Like, like we all accept that there are moments we need to rest. And so I, I think there are three types. I want to give you three types of rest you need, all right? And, and, and I, think, I think the wisdom of the scriptures back, back this up, but I think these are three types of rest that you need. Number one, daily rest. Now, physically, of course, yes, you need rest. We all know the penalties uh, of not getting enough rest. We know the physical penalties, but we also know the spiritual penalties, right? When, when you, uh, I have a friend of mine who, who is uh, uh, somebody who helps keep me accountable. Um, when, when I call him, if I have to confess sin to him, if I have to confess something to him, you know one of his, his first questions to me is, is, have you gotten enough sleep lately? And doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? We're weak when we don't sleep. Even spiritually, we're weak when we don't get enough rest. And so physically, of course, yes, you need daily rest physically, but, but also spiritually. And what I mean by rest spiritually is you need to daily reflect on the Lord and spend time with him. You need that daily rest with him, spending time with him. In the scriptures, Jesus tells us that if we want to follow him, we have to pick up our cross daily and follow him daily. That means that means daily you have to put to death the things in you that don't honor him and you have to replace them with righteous things. That's not so easy, right? Like that's really difficult. Like, like that's, that's, that's strength that I don't have. So guess what? Daily you need his strength to complete that work. So that requires daily spending time with him and letting him do that work in you. Daily resting in him and relying on him to do that work in you. And what happens when you ne neglect that daily time with him? Anybody? Think about it. Every Christian in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. When, when your, your, your day gets away from you, as we say, right, and you neglect that time with the Lord, what happens to you? And I get selfish and prideful and my patience is incredibly thin. And, and guess what comes back? My, anxi my anxiety, it's right back. And guess what? My perspective is gone. I think my work is super important now. And I'm, I'm, I'm all about that anxious toil again, right? We need daily rest. The second type of rest you need, weekly rest. And this reflects the Sabbath principle, the work six, rest one. And, and here's, here's what I, a couple of things I want to point out you need to do on this weekly rest. One, we need to worship with other people. We need that. We need to worship with our brothers and our sisters. Number one, it's a command. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together. It's a command to do that. But number two, there's tons of spiritual blessings when we worship together. One, it encourages fellowship and encouragement, right? 
The, the scriptures say that, that we're supposed to encourage one another every single day, right? And when we don't see each other, it's kind of hard to encourage you, right? It's kind of hard to get to know you. It's kind of hard to be there for you when I don't ever see you, right? And so you need to get together and worship weekly uh, to encourage fellowship and encouragement. And also, it allows you to demonstrate your love for God by loving each other. The Lord tells us that if we don't love each other, then we don't love him. If we say we love God, but we don't love our brothers, we're liars, right? So, so it allows you an opportunity to love each other, to display your love for God, right? And lastly, it allows you to use your spiritual gift to help the body. Everybody here is absolutely different. Everybody here has been gifted in a different way to, to serve the Lord together. And we need all your weird gifts, right? If I asked ask every single person, I said, you know what? There's a lot of people in this room. Over the next couple of years, everybody gets one Sunday. I can just take the, the next couple of years off from preaching, and everybody's going to preach. How many of you in here would just projectile vomit at the thought of that, right? Like, that's just not cool, right? But you've been gifted differently, right? You've been gifted differently. Some of you, you have an incredible organizational mind, right? When, when you come up, like, like someone will give you an idea, and you just be like, A connects to B, and B connects to C, and whatever, right? Like, I come up with ideas, and then just the details are like, well, if we get them, right? You know, like, it's just, that's not how my brain works, right? We need each other, right? And so, uh, so it gives you an opportunity to use your spiritual gift to help the body, right? So we need that weekly rest. You need to worship with others. The second thing you need to do with this weekly rest, if you have a family, you need to serve your family. That's what you need to do. Maybe that, maybe that work six and, 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 and rest one, maybe for those six days of work or five days of work, however, how many days you work, your agenda's set. You know, you've got to do what you've got to do. I know that's me throughout the week. Um, Angela works uh, only a couple of days a week. And, and so, you know what, in the morning times, when, when it's time to get the kids ready or whatever, uh, I, I've got to get me ready, right? Because like, I've got to go to work. Like, I've got things I've got to do. I've got to get out of the house. And, and that's how it goes. I've got to meet that agenda. Maybe the same thing with you. If you've got a family, you've got to get to work. And so, yeah, you, you help as much as you can. But, but you know what? It's paramount that you get out the door. It's paramount that you do what you've got to do. And that's okay. And that's wonderful that you can provide for your family. That's wonderful. However, weekly, there needs to be a week, at least one day, at least one day a week where it is all about your family. I mean, whatever agenda you had throughout the week, that's great, but that's not that day. Whatever, like like you, you getting your stuff done, that's really important. That's wonderful, but not today, you know? You need to give your family a day. You need to serve your family, right? I think, like, one of the times men, are you the same way as me? Like, you'll get home, you'll be like, today's my family day. And I'm going to mow the yard, right? You know what I mean? Today's my family day, and I'm, I'm finally going to patch that hole in the drywall. Today's my family day, and I'm going to do X, Y, Z. No, no, no. Rest and serve your family. That's what you need to do. Weekly rest. And thirdly and lastly, you need responsive rest. I couldn't think of a better way to say this. I asked my wife. She couldn't think of a better way. So if my wife can't think of it, there is no better way. So responsive rest means that, that maybe it doesn't fit into your weekly rest category. Maybe it doesn't fit into your daily rest category. But, but you know what? Physically, you're spent, and you just need to rest. So, so rest. Maybe emotionally, you're just spent, and you need to rest. So rest. Maybe spiritually, you, you're just spent, and you need to rest. So rest. 
You need to know yourself. A, a friend of mine came to me and, and I asked him, how can I pray for you? And he said, you know, I've been going through this real spiritual battle right now. Like, like really just, just it's, a, it's, it's just a, a firefight between, uh, between me and, 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 and the, the enemy who really wants to, to confuse this other person and, and, and really steal this other person away. And, and, and so, man, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired and, and I just need to rest. I didn't say to him, well, did you rest today? I, I did. Okay, well, then you can, maybe you can rest tomorrow, but that's it. One rest a day, right? Well, did you rest this week? Yeah, I mean, I, t- I took a day, but I, I really need more time. And no, you don't. Work six, rest one, right? No, no, no. Responsive rest. You need to know yourself. You need to know when it's time, as Jesus said in, in, in Mark 6, it's time to find that desolate place. You need to know when, when you need to find that, that, that place, and you need to go. You need to go, right? But also, like, again, if you have a family, know your family. Know your family. Do you need, is there a special, is something going on in your family and, and you need to sp- take special time with them? Do you need to take a day off of work and just, and just spend time with them? Do you need to, to escape, you know what I mean? Like, you just need to, to get out of town, maybe go to Nashville or something. Like, just, just take them somewhere, just, just get away. Like, know your family. You know, as much as you need rest, they need rest as well. Know your family and serve them in that way. So I want to I conclude with this thought. We, we, we've seen that we need rest. We've seen that the, what, uh, the different types of rest we need in our life. But when we rest, I, I want to I encourage you with, with what God accomplishes when we rest. And, and I just want to show you two things. And we're going to close with these two things. One, he refuels us for more fruitful labor. That's one of the things he accomplishes in us when we rest. We were refueled for more fruitful labor. Philippians 1, 21, 22 says... For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He's saying, look, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live to honor the Lord in everything that I do. And this is our life now, right? This is us. If I'm going to keep living, Lord, if you're giving me today, I'm going to live today to honor you. You give me tomorrow, I'm going to live tomorrow to honor you. You give me Tuesday, I'm going to live Tuesday to honor you. And so you, you can't do that when you're spent. You can't do that when you, you can't draw water from an empty well. You know what I'm talking about? You can't be just exhausted and then live every day fruitful labor. You need to rest so that you can work. Think about that. Think about when you took a vacation. I mean a good vacation. I don't mean like you took the kids to Disney World and you came back like incredibly in debt and just like all of a sudden your hair was gone. You know what I mean? I don't mean that. I mean like a good vacation where you like sat there for like a long time. You know what I mean? Like that's a good vacation. Think about that. When you came back, emotionally, spiritually, physically, weren't you just ready to go? Like, weren't you just charged up, energized? Every September, I, I get the opportunity, thanks to uh, some people here at the church, I get the opportunity to, to go to a conference up in, in Minneapolis, and, and I kind of get away from everything, and, and I just spend, I spend time with my old college roommate. He always goes with me, and, and we go to a conference um, the Desiring God Conference, and we just worship together, and we kind of get away from everything. And when I come back from that, I, I'm ready to, like, climb a mountain and fight a bear. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just ready to go, right? I, that fruitful labor is there, right? Why? Because I rested. Because I rested. So God gives us, he refuels us for more fruitful labor. And lastly, he gives us a taste of our future rest. Think about, think about those moments of rest when God, like, restored you. Like, like when you really felt it. Like, like you're, you're back, you know? Like, you're ready to go. You're refueled. Didn't it feel incredible? Well, listen to me. That's just a taste of what's to come. 
That's just a taste of what's to come. One day, you won't grow weary like this. One day, you'll work, but you won't have the emotional pain because there will be no more pain. You won't have the emotional pain that drains you. You'll work, but you won't have, the, you won't have that fight that drains you spiritually. You'll work, but, but you won't be frustrated and, and, and you won't be drained physically, right? So this taste of, 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 of rest should strengthen our endurance as we know what we're working toward. We're working toward that ultimate rest. We're, it's just giving us a taste that, that, uh, of what's to come where, where the dwelling place of God is with man and, and, and he, he will, he'll dwell with them and they'll be his people and God himself will be with them as their God and he'll, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more and neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for former things have passed away. When we rest, it's a taste of what's to come. And we need that from time to time to strengthen our endurance so that we keep going. So I'd like to close this way. Um, if you're going to play the music, you come on up. I want to close this way. Just like where you are, just, just close your eyes. Just go ahead and close your eyes. Some of you beat me to it. I noticed you closed your eyes like 10 minutes ago. Good job. But just close your eyes. And can we just, like, rest? And here's what I mean. I don't mean go to sleep. Please don't. That'd be weird. Don't go to sleep. Here's what I mean. We've got a lot to do today. And I don't think that's untrue of anybody in this room. We've got a lot to do today. Whether it's family stuff, whether it's work stuff, whatever. We've got stuff to do. In this moment, can you forget about that? Whatever it is, push it out of your mind. It's not going to get done any quicker because you're thinking about it. Put it out of your mind. And, and just be here. Just rest. And ask the Lord, has rest been a discipline in my life? Have I neglected it? Ask the Lord, do I need to give something up? so that I can rest more? Do, do I need to take some sort of action today? Is there something you want me to do today? Lord, give me your wisdom. Can we just sit here for a minute with the Lord and you just talk to him? Or just sit here and just think about it? God, thank you for rest. Thank you for work. Thank you that, God, you've redeemed work. We don't have to anxiously toil anymore. We can honor you in all that we do, and we can work heartily for you, and our work will matter, and our work will last. Thank you for that. God, thank you for rest. Thank you for the reminder every day that we're not you. That whatever throne we think we, we sit on, we don't. You sit enthroned 
above the heavens. The earth is your footstool. God, would you help us be a people who stop burning the candle at both ends? Maybe we have good motives even. Maybe we have good intentions. But would you help us be a people who trust you so much that we trust your wisdom and we will rest. And Lord, would you show us the fruitful labor that can come from our rest. So Lord, again, thank you for giving us this gift. Help us not to spurn it anymore with our anxious toil. May we be people who trust and rest. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.